It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Glad to have you along with us on this podcast. Remember, Smoky Mountain Organics, four locations to serve you in East Tennessee, including three in Sevier County, the one in Knoxville on Kingston Pike, just down from the mall there, right across the street from Trader Joe's. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. You can check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Glad to have you along with us. Plenty of questions to get to. I'm going to go start one. I'll get to all the mailbag questions, but I'm going to ask Rob Lewis, I want to ask you this question because it was brought to me on Wednesday, and uh, I thought it was an inter- interesting take. Do you feel better about the Tennessee basketball team in close games, tournament-style games, given the fact that it can be any multiple of guys who can lead the way for this basketball team? Or are you bothered by the fact that there's not a clear-cut go-to guy night in and night out for this basketball team? I realize Kennedy Chandler is going to make a play at the end of the game but it's kind of been whoever's got the hot hand seemingly that day, it feels like, for this team. Is it better to have that, or is it better to have one or two bell cows night in and night out? I mean, I think it's it's probably better to have Steph Curry, but, you know, if you don't have that, then, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with where Tennessee is. You know, totally fine. It's not it's not like they have any any – like, I don't think Santi is afraid of it. I don't think Josiah is afraid of it. I don't think Kennedy's afraid of it. I don't think Sakai's afraid of it, for sure. So, it's not – I mean, they're not playing hot potato. They maybe don't have, you know, an All-American 25-point-a-game score, but I think they got four guys who, who aren't afraid to take that shot and whose teammates have confidence in them in those situations. So, so again, in an ideal world, you'd, you'd have a superstar, but – if you don't have that, I think Tennessee's in a good spot. So it's not a it's not a bad thing that it can be a, a different flavor that that particular night. Now, to me, it's not. I mean, opinions may vary, but I, I don't think it is. And I think, but I also think it's kind of unique for Tennessee that you know I don't know that you know a lot of college teams have four guys that they would feel comfortable pulling the trigger, you know, in a in a one point game with five seconds left. And then the ultimate Swiss Army knife in Tennessee's version of Bill Winnington. In Euros Publish, Blavsic. Well, that's, I mean, that's the interesting thing about, I mean, Euros is not the go to guy, but I mean, he played I'm well. I'm joking. I know, but he played well at Athens. Again, they brother in law, though. They, yeah. I mean, they brother in law. We've been talking about that. Yeah. And, and they, cer- they certainly did. I mean, it's um, really, uh, really interesting to kind of see wh- where this team is and the fact that everybody's comfortable with, you know, brother in law and or, or picking up the slack for somebody else or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, on that particular given night. Obviously, Tuesday night in Athens, Georgia, it was Josiah Jordan-James carrying the slack for, for Tennessee offensively and, and taking them to the finish line there. And, and give Folker some credit, Rob Lewis. That's a couple of big buckets late, big assists late, made a couple of really nice plays on the offensive end. Um, it's what you want your veterans to do when you got a, when you got a, a and, game I mean, where everybody's not playing great. And I, I mean, I don't pretend to know all, you know what, what the play call is all the time or just that and the other. X's and O's, but I, I thought Rick Rick was pretty good in the last three or four minutes last night. Getting getting Fulkerson, you know those the ball in those sets and coming out of that timeout where you just mentioned, uh, Fulky hit Kennedy with a backdoor. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a really nice out of timeout play for an easy bucket there, and and give Fulkerson credit. He buried his guy in the post twice um, on those other two sets to give a, a, himself a chance to have an easy bucket. All right, let's get to these questions before we run out of time here. And everybody gets mad at me for not getting the questions in. Vol, since 1996, with spring practice looming, we all have availability. Also, what's the one thing the offense as a whole you think will need to take strides and take the next step to do better than they did? a season ago availability AP. I think we're going to have quite a bit of availability. I don't know how much viewing time we're going to get, but in terms of availability of talking to, to coaches and players, I think there's going to be plenty of that. What do you uh, think this offense stepwise has to take? Um, uh, to the availability part, I'm going to break down the first like two or three days where there's no pads. We'll get to see like eight or nine periods when it doesn't matter. And then when it matters, we'll see nothing. Um, as for, um, you know, what this offense needs to do, I think they need to find, you know, the ability to protect, you know, I mean, you go back to the, to the bowl game. I thought they, you know, they weren't good enough in that area. Um, you know, I think they'll be fine running the football. Um, I think they'll be fine, you know, at receiver, even if they don't have the same set of guys, maybe there's a little bit of a hit early on until they kind of figure out what they're doing. I think the biggest thing is just protecting Hendon Hooker. Rob, is it protecting Hendon Hooker? Is it short yardage rushing? Is, I was, is it, is it red I, I was gonna say short, I was gonna say short yardage. I know. I mean, you made I know, it was a couple of weeks ago. I know you you made the point that, that that's the area where you thought they had to get better. And I agree. I mean, I, I, they they need to protect Hendon Hooker better, but he can he can help himself out a lot. I mean, I I think. I mean, and you've you've said this. I mean, I, I can't. You, you had a great quote about it being able something inside, inside the five yard line be able to run the football and exactly what it was. But I, I don't feel like Tennessee was that last year at all, especially not against good teams. So we'll see what the, where this offense can grow. As I agree, I mean, I, I think they do have to protect better so they can do more of their things. And I do think they have to finish better, particularly in the short yardage spot. All right, on to the next one we go. Does it sort of feel like this is a classic UT quarterback recruiting process where Tennessee swings big for Nico, but end up with a great quarterback in Rashada instead? I don't know what it feels like. It feels like Tennessee's taking a swing at a couple of top 100 ranked quarterbacks. And, you know, we'll see, you know, what happens. Ultimately, even if they don't land either one of them, you know, I, I think you can still find quality people out there in the transfer portal, you know, nine months from now. Does, does the transfer portal, and, and, and Rob, you can jump in here as well. I mean, does it really take that much pressure, you think, off of recruiting? that elite high school quarterback because there's so few of those elite guys. I mean, there's always what four or five a year that the same 10 schools are swinging for. I, I think what it does is it allows you to swing big. And then if you don't hit it, it then the pressure's off and not having to, to reach on a, on a high school guy. Like instead, you don't have to reach on a mid-level quarterback. Like you can swing for the fences. If you connect, that's great. If not, Hey, we'll go to the portal and we'll get a quality player. Um, there are plenty out there. Which makes recruiting harder for the mid-level guy. Yep. In terms of some of his options out there. Rob, is UGA just a tough place to win in basketball this year? Not just the Vols have struggled there. It seems like a lot of teams, including Auburn. I think this goes back to what you said Monday. It's not just Georgia. It's the road, it's the road life of college basketball. It, it's hard to win anywhere on the road, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, I think Georgia is one of those places. I mean, if you saw the crowd shots last night, it's one of those where you, you've got to bring your own juice. You know, the, the, I mean, even if you're playing in a hostile environment, that at least gets your adrenaline pumping. You know what I mean? It may be tough to play, but the energy is in the building. At a place like Georgia last night or Missouri, 
you know, a couple weeks ago, it's a mausoleum. I mean, it's it's like playing in an in an empty middle school gym. Do Do you think? And those two schools are the exception because of where they are right now. But do you think college basketball in general? Do you think the road venues have been harder for visiting teams because of last year they they were all non-juice places because of COVID crowds? I mean, is this just literally? I, everybody's trying to adjust to the fact that after a year where there was no hostile environment to play in, you can walk into some hornet's nest now. Has that made Arkansas better at home, Tennessee better at home, and harder to win on the road for teams is what I'm asking. You know, I hadn't, Hubbard, I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting question. But, I mean, and, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, man, it has been tough to win on the road this year. And, not, I mean, not just for Tennessee. I mean, probably the best road win out of the top four teams in the SEC has been Kentucky at Alabama. I mean, Kentucky went to LSU and lost. Tennessee went to LSU and lost. Ar- you know, like I mentioned, I mean, Arkansas hasn't had to go to Auburn, Tennessee, or Kentucky. Kentucky's had to go to all three. They lost in all three places. Plus, at, at LSU, I mean, that's their four. I don't know that there is a great league road win. I mean, nobody's gone into Arkansas and gotten it. I mean, they got all three of the top, you know, the top four teams beside themselves. Tennessee's gotten everybody. We'll see if they get Arkansas this weekend. I, Kentucky at Bama might be the best road win. I don't yeah. know if I can't remember if Auburn played there or not. Well, and Auburn played at Alabama, obviously, and and won, okay. and won there because they swept them when Bruce brought out the the brooms and, and that deal there. There's just not a ton of great road wins across the country in general. Uh, just a crazy year in that way. Uh, Austin wide receiver coach in place by Friday. Is that still the plan? Uh, DJ and Dixon still the leaders in the clubhouse there. What's the latest uh, on the the wide receiver search? Uh, for, for Jeremy – or Jer- Josh Heupel. Jeremy. Whoa, that's bad. Uh, I need to edit that one out. For Josh Heupel, um, is the timeline still the end of the week? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I would be shocked if someone's not in place for junior day on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, I think you're announcing somebody on Thursday or Friday. Um, you know, I, I put out there on, you know, on Wednesday morning that I felt like DJ was likely staying at Florida State. Not sure that was going to get done. Um, you know, on either side. And so it felt like, you know, Kerry Dixon at Georgia Tech and then Kelsey Pope, the in-house candidate, um, who was the, you know, uh, wide receivers QC a year ago, um, you know, were the most two likely options. Makes, you know, Pope makes sense because, you know, Hype interviewed him at UCF. He brought him with him, kind of like Matt Merritt, you know, uh, who he would had hired at UCF. And then when he came up here, didn't hire him up here, but he brought him, as a QC, you know, Merritt's down at Georgia Southern. Pope's sitting here, um, you know, and, and if you don't – if none, none of the other candidates have wowed you, you've got a guy in the building that knows the terminology, you can just you, – you don't have to teach anybody anything. You just got to hit the ground running. question is, is, you know, how will he recruit? You know, he's been at Gardner-Webb, um, Tennessee Tech. Like, it's, it's a different – recruiting at this level is different, you know, than it is recruiting, you know – um, at that level. Yeah, and no. I think there's a learning curve there, but that doesn't mean someone can't be really good at it. There have been plenty of coaches that have come up through the ranks and, you know, went from, you know, nowhere to being pretty good somewhere uh, really quick. Yeah, but that's the case. But, and, and again, where's your priority? Comfort level in terms of terminology and, and you know what a guy can do from a development standpoint and you feel like he's got the personality to, to make that jump on the recruiting front or is it go more proven recruiter? And, and hire a guy uh, and, and teach him your offense and teach him your way of doing things. And those are what um, 
Josh Heupel is trying to, to determine and figure out in, in this process here over the next day or so as he tries to get that coaching search done. Uh, any chance on a 50-cent uh, gift this weekend? Sure there is. There's always a chance. Always a chance for a 50-cent gift as the Volunteers hosting a handful of prospects, uh, big-name prospects coming up on Saturday for – I mean, I, I do I, – you, you, you go to the big name. I, I, I gave it no chance on a big name. Now, could they could they land a commitment this weekend? Sure. And, and if I was, you know, looking at anybody, you know, Nathan Spillman makes the most sense just because Tennessee's been trending there for a while. But and but he know, has no timetable. him. Yeah, he's not presented any timetable to, to anybody. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going off of you know, if you're asking me who they're clo- who the closest person is to picking, it would be him, followed by a couple other guys. But I don't think that they're doing anything in the month of March. All right. Vol and SC wants to know how has this basketball team ceiling changed with the loss of Kumwa and the emergence of BHH in Jonas? Rob. I mean, I'm, you know, their, their absolute best game is probably better, but night in and night out. I mean, I think the head coach. The floor is higher with, with Olivier. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they were, they'd have, I bet you Rick Barnes would have much rather have Olivier last night in Athens or Tuesday night in Athens, George. Um, I, I think the bigger question is, would we have ever seen those two guys any significant minutes to develop the depth if Kumwa doesn't get hurt? Now, Jonas, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever know. I mean, Rick, right. you know, was was on record as saying, you know, he'd been coming on for the past couple of weeks, yada, yada, yada. But to me, that 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 sounds a little coachy speak to me, you know, that, you know, hey, we were going we were going to play this kid. Now, Brandon was going to get – he was, he was going to play. I mean, he had been playing, but – you know, he'd been checking in after that first media timeout and getting four minutes, and then you didn't know if you'd see him again or not. So, I mean, he was going to get his chances. Jonas, I don't know. But, I mean, if one of those guys, you know, plays up to his potential some night, I mean, he's better than Olivier. But night in and night out, Olivier, I, I, I don't think is really close. Hey, do with that up and under left-handed shot at Georgia, Shaver, bringing back memories of Paul Fortenberry over there at Maryville High School and against, going against now former – Maryville coach Mark Eldridge. Yeah, All Paul Fortby ever did was rebound for Lee, Lee Humphrey. Oh, I'm talking about in the 6 a.m. games with all the uh, all the adults <laughs> oh, okay. after Paul graduated. <laughs> that yeah, makes the, more sense. The one where Paul would call you at 7.30 to check in to see how the day was going, and none of us were awake because Paul decided to go play basketball at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever he was doing. Uh, speaking of basketball, can Jonas work his way into being an NBA player eventually? Same with uh, – Santi, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jonas, Jonas Ada was a five-star recruit. I mean, there's like 25 of those. Size, maybe. There's a 25 of those a year. I'd say it'd be more surprising if he didn't end up in the NBA someday. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a great player, but he's 7-1, he can block shots, and he can shoot it pretty well. Santi, I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets a chance. I mean, I, I think he's going to play overseas for years and years and years and make a good living, but I just don't see the athleticism. I, and I could be wrong. I mean, you know, maybe – Maybe he shoots it well enough. Maybe he continues to improve his, his lateral quickness or whatnot and, and gets a crack. But right right now, I would guess no. Why wasn't Tennessee willing to open the purse when hiring women's basketball coach when we were one of the Blue Bloods in college basketball? I like Harper and all, but just curious why we didn't get someone like Mulkey, Boer, Waltz, that's a proven elite coach instead of an up-and-comer that's a VFL. Uh, will we always hire VFLs in the future in your all's opinion for women's basketball coach? I think Philip Fulmer was going to hire uh, a VFL there, and I do not think they were going to pay over $2 million for 
uh, the, the women's basketball coach at Tennessee. LVFL. LVFL. Yes. And, and here's why. I mean, and I don't mean to be I don't mean to be rude, and I am not a misogynist at all. I mean, I think I'm all for girls, I'm all for Title IX, all that. But here's the facts. There's more interest in who Tennessee's gonna hire as a wide receiver coach right now among fans than there is in Lady in who be the ladies lady basketball coach. At least for the people I know. I mean, the, the guys that are boosters, that are fans that that donate money. I, I can promise you that that's the sentiment. Well, and I'll say this. I mean, Kelly Harper is a more proven coach than um, than some people want to give want to give her credit. I mean, she's done it at a variety of different places as a head coach, and uh, she had them in the top five this year before uh, all the injuries. Now, we'll see if she can sustain long-term, but I think she's done a really nice job there. But I, I just think the comfort level uh, with the previous administration was that they were going to hire um, – you know, someone from, from the Pat Summit legacy. And I think financially, I mean, Kim Mulkey is making over $2 million. The women's basketball coach at Tennessee is not going to make half of what the, the football coach at Tennessee is making. Financially, that's just not where Tennessee uh, has been at, at at this point with where it's at. And, and I would say for the value they're getting at over a million dollars for Coach Harper, she, she's done and it continues to do uh, a nice job for them. All right, last thing from, from this guy, would y'all ever – do some all-access videos on the road, stories, Kane and Ben sleeping in the same bed, late-night McDonald's trips, goofing around, just life on the road as someone who covers recruiting. I would watch it. Um, no, nah, I don't think anybody really wants to watch it. Although that that Whataburger at 2 a.m. in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, AP, was, was a pretty good show from, from that stop there. Um, and then uh, a couple of places in North Carolina where I didn't have any idea where we were going was turned all over the place was, was entertaining for, from that trip as well. There would be some moments, oh. but I don't know that anybody wants to see us road tripping. I don't know. Hubs. I think there's, I think there's a real clamoring to see, to see, to see you on the road, to see you interacting with people. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, I'll say this about Brent hubs. I, I, I'll take a kid. When we go on the road. I'll take a kid for an interview and I'll come back like three minutes later and hubs has talked to the aunt or the uncle or whoever the dad and mom that's over there with the kid. And he's got like 59 different things about this kid. And I'm like, how did you do that in like four minutes? I mean, like it, it's the wildest thing. Now, again, I'm good at building relationships with the kids. Hubs is phenomenal with the moms, dads, aunts, uncles, and, and, and grandparents. And AP, if he finds one that gardens, just Katie bar the door. <laughs> it's, I mean, just, just sit down and, you're not leaving. For, here's, you're not here's getting the, back in the car for half an hour. Here's the biggest reason why I gravitate to that deal. I don't have to remember the kid's name because there's a million stops that Austin and I have made where I go, hey, AP, we're getting ready to start. What's this kid's name again? I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. What's the kid's name again? So that, that's why AP does all the interviews. All right, let's go on to I Heart Balls. Austin stated in the chat Monday uh, regarding baseball that NIL has the capability of making scholarships whole, which would match Vandy. What impact, if any, will NIL have on football and basketball scholarships? Total different deal. None. They're, they're already whole. full. Yeah, they're whole. But you got a bunch of baseball players on a on a top fifteen, maybe top ten baseball team that are paid. They're, part of they're getting paid. Right they're now, getting thirty percent or less, depending on where yeah. they're from. So uh, it's a total different concept. I mean, it's um, in the words of Randy Moss, NIL for football and basketball, straight cash, homie. Uh, for uh, baseball guys, it is straight cash, but that would be used to help offset uh, an academic um, an academic uh, hardship or academic financial impact that they have to pay to go to school. 
uh, because not all of them, very few of them are on anything more than 30% because you're managing partial scholarships with a big roster. Uh, Matt, 31-28, who are the top four quarterbacks Tennessee's going after in this class? I think we know all of those guys, right? Start with Nico. The, the kid in Nico, he's going up, right? Nico, and then after that, it's Rashada, Moore, Vizina, the kid from Kansas, um, you know, and then we'll see after that. There's always one or two that pops up, but, I mean, you know, that's kind of where you start. All right. Pine Mountain Vol wants to know, which is more concerning, playing away from Thompson Bowling Arena or offensive scoring droughts? Rob Lewis. Mm-hmm. Offensive scoring droughts. I mean, again, I don't, nobody's – everybody in America that's not Gonzaga who plays at a crap conference struggles on the road. I mean, and even Gonzaga lost at St. Mary's the other night. Scoring droughts is far and away the biggest concern. AP, biggest concern for you, outside wide receiver or right tackle on this football team? I mean, just tackle in general. Um, I think you can mask it with, you know – with the with with the receivers they have, I think the offensive line, you know, because I think Darnell. I mean, Darnell told me he would prefer to move back to right tackle. Feels more natural over there, um, which is funny because he played left all the through high school. He just thinks he's better at right, um, you know. So if they could get, you know, Steen, you know, Steen would play left, you know, and uh, you know that'll be interesting to see kind of see where they go, whether if they land him or if they, you know, if they continue to swing at a post spring tackle. Well, I mean, Steen would come in and play quickly. That's why he's a priority and is important. And, and obviously, Tennessee's had him on campus this week. Austin, I think they need a body in general. I don't, I don't mean a guy who can't play a lick, but, but they just don't have enough depth there. I mean, they're an injury away from, you know, playing a guard who has no business playing at tackle out at tackle. They, they need another body there just to have another body there. Because I don't know that Addison Nichols is ready to play as a freshman physically. I don't know how many of those guys you could survive with there. So if you can get a guy who can play and, and provide you some depth, I'm not big on taking a transfer guy who doesn't play, but I'm sitting here looking at them at the offensive tackle, and they don't have four offensive tackles right now. Well, and I think Mincy only knows left. I, I'm not sure he he's going to be very functional at right. So that's something he'll have to learn if they're going to play him at right. You know, um, So that's why, like, this spring, I think you're going to see Darnell Wright. When he works, he's going to work at some right. And maybe not when we're out there. I'm telling you, he's probably going to work at some right and then just kind of let the other guys do their thing. They know what they have in Darnell. You know, he'll get some work in, but it, this spring really is about figuring out what can R.J. Perry do, what can Mincy do, what can Dane Davis do, you know, figuring out who their other tackle is. Huge question mark for this offense this spring for sure. Uh, J.P. Elvalls wants to know, what does the running back board look like? Really impressed with Tennessee's scheduled visit list there. Who are the takes? Where does Tennessee stand with the ones they really like? How many do you think Tennessee wants to take in this class? Well, I mean, you look at Deshaun Bishop at Carnes. We'll start in-state. Um, Tennessee likes Tony Rojas a lot out of uh, up near, you know, up near D.C. Um, there's Roderick Robinson out of uh, California. There's Caleb Jackson out of Liberty Christian down in Louisiana. Trayon Webb will be here this weekend out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Sam Singleton, another one out of Florida, um, and, and then Dalen Chambers, uh, Jeremiah Cobb from Montgomery, Alabama. That's kind of the you know, you know, 
a list of guys that Tennessee's, you know, has been either working or they're heavily in on. But obviously Deshaun Bishop's one. Tony Rojas at linebacker or running back, they would take that kid. Like they just think he's that good. So um you know, and then obviously Trayon Webb will be here this weekend, who's another guy that Tennessee likes a lot. But again, that one will be hard. You know, pulling the kid out of Florida, he's got several other big time offers, and most of these guys do. Probably a couple running backs in this class, roughly. Yeah, I would think two. Yeah, I, I would think two, unless unless you take one after spring. I think adult, this spring lets you kind of feel for what you need. If you feel like you need some after spring, you know, and the transfer, then, then you go there. Yeah, I mean, like I don't think it's ever black and white. Sure. I don't think it's ever black and white. No, because it's always it's always flexing around. It does feel like that Deshaun Bishop, it's Deshaun Bishop in state, and then there's a real drop off at that position in state this year. Correct? There's oh yeah, yeah. There's, He's not the another, there's not another running back in state um, that that has emerged at this point. Uh, update on Jaden Rashada. Would love to have him in this offense as a quarterback. What do you know about him? What why do you think? Why do you think schools are starting to like him? AP. Well, I, I don't think you know he was down at the rivals camp last week. Shows well, but I don't think he's just I don't think he's been out and about as much as maybe Nico has. He hadn't taken as many visits as Nico has. Um, so I think just starting people are starting to, you know, see him more, get a feel for him more. And I think that's why you've seen his name continue to go up and up and up with different schools. And Rob, as we wrap the the mailbag podcast up, I'll ask you another question here. Tennessee is taking on um, Arkansas trying to finish out the regular season at home with an unbeaten record. Um, it, it's, it, do you have any worries about this Tennessee from a health, this team from a health standpoint? I know some guys are banged up. How much is that affecting them from a prep standpoint? How much are they having to manage some guys? And how big a concern is this team with some sore knees and some sore bodies out there when, when you look at when you look at this roster and, and you look at where they're at to close out the season? Hang on a second. I think we're muted there. There we go. That was me. Sorry. I was pretty concerned Monday when, um, but then Josiah James is one of the guys that didn't practice on Monday and he goes out and, you know, has a career high to 23 points Tuesday night. Uh, the last three days, going back to last Thursday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Monday, uh, Zakai, Josiah, and Fulkerson have all been really limited. You know, they've stretched, they've gone through warm ups, and when it gets five on five and there's contact, those three guys haven't done anything. So I would say based off, you know, Tuesday, I, I, I wouldn't be real concerned. I, I, they may still manage those guys a little bit. They're off. They were off on Wednesday. T Thursday will be a pretty hard practice. Um, we won't see it. Um, but just based on how those guys have looked, I don't have a lot of concern about their health. And, and as coach will tell you, this time of year, every team, you know, has, has two, three or four guys that, that they're, they're probably managing. But the double buy is not going to hurt this team for sure when you, when you talk about getting your legs back about you for, for the SEC tournament. Up first, it is Arkansas on Saturday. We'll have full coverage of that. We'll have full coverage of Junior Day coming up on Saturday, coverage of Tennessee baseball. They're at Minute Maid Park in Houston, uh, Texas on Friday night. They've got Baylor and Oklahoma on the weekend out there as well. Tons of things coming up at ballquest.com. You want to keep it where you have it and uh, all the latest. We'll continue to uh, work on the wide receivers coaching search as well. That's all at ballquest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the ballquest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on Ballquest. Quest.